The Restless Midlifer podcast. Get health, weight and life back on your terms. Hi, welcome to episode 84 of the Restless Midlifer podcast. Now, I've got a great interview with Duncan O'Brien, or Dr. Duncan, as I affectionately call him. Duncan was a former PhD chemist and has made a transition into the world of fitness and well-being. So we share, spend a bit of time on his transition and his story and the, the, the factors involved, which I think is always useful as midlifers to appreciate the challenges and the factors that are involved in making a big life decision like that, like transitioning out of one career into another. Um, and in the rest of the interview, what we do focus on is well-being and his experience in that, particularly because I think Duncan has um, a different take on it. Yes, around training and fitness is it really important, but around the power of movement and around general wellness. And he has a great take on it, and including a phrase which I remember him saying to me years ago at a network meeting, which was, um, you've got to walk your way back to the gym. And I love that phrase. It caught my attention. And I'll let Duncan explain that in the interview, because I think it's an important factor, particularly if we are restarting any fitness journey or coming to it for the first time is not placing such huge expectations on ourselves and on our bodies at, at, at that beginning point in particular. So we get into that a lot. Um, so before that though, what I want to do is talk about um, three things really in terms of achieving our goal. And I, being a, a typical trainer, I can't help myself, I've come up with uh, three Fs, the factor, sorry, the focus, the factors and the feelings. Now what I want to talk about here is how do we actually achieve a sustainable progress towards a goal? And I think we need these three these three elements. So if we think about focus, no doubt we, we kind of recognise that we need some sort of focus. We need a clarity of purpose, of direction, of goal. Um, so focus is that thing, you know, when I'm right, setting down to actually focus my attention on a piece of work or um, to actually think, right, what do I want to achieve? And this is really important because I think we can, our focus can be wider and a bit more general um, or it can be particularly laser-like and, and focused on one particular thing. And it does depend on the goal that you're trying to achieve. But an example I'll give you from my particular experience at the moment is my Operation D move. One of the things is to, to get fitter, to lose the, the, the man boobs, to lose that last stone and stone and a bit that is just proving the more challenging. And I, I talk about the phases. I talked about the phases actually of how I conceptualized the, the the weight loss journey in my uh, podcast last week and particularly the interview with Rob Baker. And I'll do a little bit more on that as I go. Um, but that last mile, that last stone um, is, is almost like the finish line is inside, but it's not coming any closer. And really, when we talk about general focus, being focused on getting healthier and fitter, that can actually mean a lot of things and can encompass a lot of things, which is useful because I'm generally trying to raise my fitness level. Um, I can pick on a lot of different things to achieve that. But if I'm needing to narrow down, and this is particularly true at the end of a journey, or you know, as I'm starting to like focus in on really getting that final mile achieved, my focus perhaps needs to laser in. What is it that I'm specifically trying to achieve? And one of the things I've learned over the last few months is that perhaps I've been a bit cloudy about that. Yes, I've wanted to lose weight. This Operation D-Move is that thing. However, what I've also in the back of my mind is part of CrossFit training and what have you is I want to build muscle, I want to tone up and get stronger. Now, each one of those contribute to health, but in terms of the focus on one thing like Operation DMU, for example, it's very much spreading my effort and my focus across a few things. And actually, is it, the question is that I'm, I'm kind of coming to realize here, the answer to is, is it detracting from that one goal, that one focus of the DMU? 
process. And in this case, my suspicions are that in trying to maintain muscle, build muscle, get stronger, I am actually ha having to do things that are counter to potentially the the focus on losing that last few pounds, i.e. just making sure that I eat plenty so I have any, plenty of energy for the sessions and that perhaps my protein intake is a little bit not higher than normal in order to get that strength gain, etc. Now that's all valid and healthy and particularly as a midlifer we want to combat the, the declining in muscle and build strength where we can, that's really powerful. But in this particular phase, is that potentially slowing down and, and holding me back on the weight loss, that last few um, pounds and what I'm experimenting with now and focusing on is right let's align the focus specifically around that one thing it's only for a short time it's not like there's going to be health consequences to this I'm not going to lose the muscle I've gained because I'm still or the strength that I've gained because I'm still training and generally training but what I'm doing is focusing my attention on one thing and in doing that what I've come to realize is that I need to to not focus on the strength so much just do the, the programming as it's programmed within the CrossFit box, not to try to add anything extra in, and look at that tolerance level that I'm currently on between weight loss and weight gain. I'm kind of riding the maintenance line at the moment, and some days it's a little bit more, some days a little bit less. And really, it won't take a lot for me to consistently lose a little bit less or to, to under-eat a little bit less, or to, to take in less energy uh, than I expend, uh, sustainably for that last stone. So my focus now has been tuned into that process of, right, let's just focus on the energy balance, the energy in versus out, not taking it too far and too, too extreme, just that little bit more so consistently I can achieve it more consistently over time. So that's the focus bit. And I think it's useful to think about what is your focus? What is actually the goal that you want to achieve? But with that, we do need to factor in the factors. And the factors really relate to the things that are going on in life, the, 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 the health conditions that you might be managing, the, the things that um, you just need to get real about. So, for example, I have a friend who I mentioned in my uh, Restless Midlife of Chronicles this week, I call him Jack, um, not real name, um, where I talked about how his focus was on wanting to lose weight. But as he discovered that he had a diagnosis of type 2 diabetes, that focus had to shift because of the factor, the health factor in his life. So whilst weight loss was a, a, a something important, the priority became the managing of the blood sugar levels. So if you think about it, the focus was on the priority of the blood sugar levels as a result of the factor of the diabetes diagnosis. So that health factor had to be taken into account and had to, be, had to have an impact on the focus. And it's similar to what we're doing, uh, what we do when I do take into account, of course, and what I talk about when it's about sustainability. It's not about holding back life and being unrealistic and denying the factors in your life. If you are busy, if you have got a full-on life, you know, caring for perhaps an elderly relative, bringing up kids, you've got, oh, you've got kids um, at a particular age, you know, need ferrying all over the place, and you've got a stressful job, uh, pursuing a potential promotion, then I'm guessing time is a finite resource. And we can sort of say, right, well, I'll manage my time better, um, I'll look at what I can say no to, and they're all valid strategies and approaches and may well yield some space and capacity, allow some, some breathing space, if you like. Really important to do. However, Perhaps we just need to be real about the factor that time is an important issue within the life, in my life. So I have a focus, I want to lose weight, but time pressure. So what I need to do needs to fit within the reality of the time. What I will do, not what I intend to do, but what I will do within the constraints of that. Yes, I'll put stuff down um, in order to make space, 
but let's get real. It's a demanding life. So let's just tailor in. And that's why the laser focus is really useful because if we're not so clear on it, we might be trying to do too many different things. And actually some of those things don't actually move us in the direction of the ultimate focused goal. So for me, in terms of weight loss, trying to do a bit extra weight training, a bit extra this and extra that may be useful, but it's a time pressure that I can do without. And actually, does it add to the the, the laser focus of weight loss? And in, in, in my coming to my conclusion, um, and it's all about our conclusion and assessment here and working it out and experimenting with it. Um, no, it's not contributing significantly. Yes, it helps, but there's a bet, there's a payoff or a, or a, a, a cost to that in the terms of how I manage time, adding stress, etc., etc. So the other thing is feelings, and I think this is something that perhaps we don't, uh, we can often deny is how do I feel about the goal? That's important. So getting motivated, feeling like it really matters, that's really important. But what I also mean is feeling, how do I feel about the methods and the approaches I choose to work towards that goal. So I talked about, I briefly mentioned the phrase diet burnout last week in my um, uh, newsletter. And I think that's a phrase that perhaps many can relate to because diet burnout, it's not, I don't know if, even know if it's an official phrase. I haven't really searched any literature for it, but for me, it encapsulates that feeling of like, I'm on it again, I'm sick of it, I can't be bothered, I just don't have it in me to follow some rigid, strict diet or do this, or I'm sick and tired of time-restricted eating, I just want to eat my breakfast and blah, 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 blah. Whatever the situation is, we kind of get burnt out with it. And that's an important set of feelings that we need to factor in to our whole planning process and our whole doing and working towards the goal. Because if we deny it, then we're not going to sustain it. So again, for me, one of the things that I realized was that um, perhaps I was pushing the window of the restricted eating a little bit too much and therefore finding myself picking when, you know, temptation, my mood was low, my energy levels were low, picking rather than strategically saying, right, I'm going to have a meal now. So for me, the feeling around that was... I just, I'm just not really into it for, this, for the restricted eating. And what I want to do is find that balance. So for me, I've returned to just widening out that window. So about 11, maybe just after cross, get back from CrossFit, have a shower. I have the, um, I have a breakfast, a light breakfast, protein rich breakfast, and then moving on the day, feeling full, less likely to snack and binge on or whatever in, later on in the day. And that's where I've been realistic about the feelings because my feelings and, and, and approach to this has changed. When I started six, well, a year or two years ago on the weight loss, I was there was for some reason I just had more focus, energy, and and ability to stick to some of those rigid things. Now I don't seem to quite have it, and I know that's because of the factors in my life. I'm juggling transition in the business, um, so there's a lot going on in my head. So energy is being dispersed between a lot of different things. So let's get real with the feelings, and let's realign the focus, the factors, and the focus with the factors and the feelings, and the actions accordingly. So that's just food for thought, because what I want you to do is think about that in terms of what, what are you trying to achieve? What do you want to achieve? We're coming up, and I talked about this soft, you know, thinking about the new year. It's still um, November as I record this, and as this podcast will go out. Um, what is your ambitions and aspirations in terms of your health for next year? And why wait? Why not think about this now in terms of what is that focus? What would be the one thing that you could focus on? Is it weight loss? Is it getting stronger? Is it getting fitter? And Ultimately, approaching one of those will have a benefit, knock-on benefit, all of them, but pick one. And then look at what are the factors that are governing your life? Health, uh, time demands, family demands, financial, um, your, 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 just general, the, the set up, setup of your life. And then what are the feelings that you have around some of the activities that you 
might typically embrace and do. You know, so if you're sick of doing that particular kind of diet, why not mix it up? Why not try something else? Why not do something else? Mix it up because it's all about that energy balance, energy in versus energy out. And you don't need a massive gap. You just need a sustainable gap between the two over time for you to start to lose the weight. So give yourself the space to, to blend in those three and decide some actions that you could start now. So you're not waiting until the new year and you're making one or two changes right now that start zoning on, tuning on your focus, consider the fact that start taking actions that, that feel right for you at the moment. So anyway, some food for thought again. So hopefully that's been useful. Drop me a line at dave at restlessmidlifer.com if you have any thoughts or questions about that, um, but also feedback around what you might be trying as well coming up to the end of the year and in the new year. Uh, but for now, on with the interview with Doug. Hi, Dominic. It's uh, great to have you along. Obviously, we've been meaning to catch up for a while. Um, and it's great to have you on the podcast as well. So um, do you want to introduce you? I know you very well, but I want, do you want to introduce yourself to the audience? Tell them who you are, what your background is and what you're currently focused on. Okay, well, I'm, I'm Duncan O'Brien. I'm based in Newcastle on the wrong side of the river, maybe as a Sunderland boy. And um, I'm personal trainer, coach into mental health, mental fitness, and also being able to experience some leadership courses via Brené Brown with some coaches I know in Whitley Bay who are doing some fascinating work and have brought me along on their journey. So I've got many things going on at the moment, um, which I find all of it, all of it interesting. So I'm a bit of a mixed bag, I would say. Um, background in football, getting injured through football and learning to be a bit more playful as well nowadays. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and uh, we've had many a conversation around uh, around that. Um, how do you are you're, you as I lovingly refer to you as Doctor Dunk because you've got your you've got your PhD in a completely different field, didn't you? Do you want to tell us a little bit about that, and then we'll get kind of get into what you're doing now, etc. Yeah, I um, uh, well, uh, maybe uh, one day I will release the rap song. Studied hard for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> Stuck in the lab through all four seasons. Um, I, I studied chemistry at university at Loughborough, which as a, you know, an, an active guy is a perfect place to do sports science. Right. And I actually studied chemistry because my A-level chemistry teacher was brilliant and really engaging. And I didn't know what else to do. I hadn't had a thought about anything, really. It wasn't particularly conscious about what I was doing. And and maybe a bit scared to do something like physio, which might have been a better fit, but journey's a journey, isn't it? Mm. Um, so yeah, studied chemistry, did a year in industry, worked for 3M, making sandpaper, testing it. And I really enjoyed the interaction with my supervisor during that year out. And then at the end of my degree, I was asked if I wanted to stay on and do a PhD with that supervisor. Again, another relationship thing, um, bit of a theme, like if I get other people, I probably want to hang out with them. And um, and so I stayed on and did a PhD in solid state chemistry, which I would say was a pretty tough time, to be honest. I, um, you know, I used to getting everything right or doing well, and I just grafted it out and passed it. But I found myself at conferences not really being that into it all. I, I, I don't think my general interest was there there was specific things I was into but I wasn't if I'd have been doing more background reading I, th I think I would have been able to engage more I just wasn't fully engaged I was yeah playing football and um socializing and 
didn't really know why I was doing the PhD anymore. It was just another certificate kind of thing to say that I was clever and I really wasn't very smart at all. So, so um, but I, I don't regret it. I met some amazing people and it's, it is interesting to be called Dr. Dunk as a, as a, a PT and then go, what, you're doctoring? And then you're like, yeah, solid state chemistry. I made pigments. So it, it does, it is a good conversation starter or curiosity based bit of <laughs> communication. Um, and then, yeah, that led me on to, well, more football because I was at university for longest. All the lads take the mick that I was at Loughborough for like 10 years or something like that, whereas most of them left after five or, or four or three. And and that um, that led me to do a bit of travelling. And then I got myself a job for a biochemistry company when I came back from travelling, not knowing what to do, but it had science and the name felt I was using my PhD to some degree even though you didn't need one to do the job and did that for three and a half years and again enjoyed the people enjoyed the clients I met the people I was sort of selling um quality control material to and I just found myself talking to all my client base about health and well-being which I was getting more and more into and doing more and more studying and um and I realized that what I was doing wasn't really doing me any good. Um, I was asking somebody to change from one thing that looked very similar to another thing. We would argue that our product was slightly better, but um, it, it wasn't fulfilling any level of life purpose. And my energy was getting lower and lower. And I realized one day when I was getting like almost panic and anxiety attacks that I, I needed to change something. And thankfully, one of my mates said, do you fancy doing a personal training course? Right. <laughs> so that was the beginning of it all. Um, and we both signed up to do just an online course. And while still doing our jobs and didn't really do any of it, you know, like didn't didn't engage, just needed more focus. And I was able to give it. So that was a toe in the water but started a few conversations with some local trainers about what courses they did and what 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 did I need to get started and and a friend of mine and um, Paul Mort recommended just get your qualification and then you start your learning mm. in that as long as you can get your insurance and be safe you know that's what you need then you need to get experience which is the exact opposite to the academic life I'd been in where it's heavy on the <laughs> the qualifications yeah. and yeah. low on the actual experience so I, I I got my qualifications um and fortuitously found my way into a personal training studio did a bit of work with a local football club with Gateshead just helping out in the gym because of a connection I'd made and um and it kind of grew from there and I would say at time, I still feel like I've got my training wheels on. Like I still feel like a beginner um, and having people ask you questions makes you reflect a bit more on all of that and where you're now from where you were. But um, yeah, so that that was my my winding beginning to personal training yeah. via chemistry. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, I'm always interested in those kind of journeys as well, because it, I guess for me, it's the midlife thing. And whilst you might not have been typical midlife at the time you made those decisions, I don't know what age you were, but um, it's the state of mind that you get to where you think, hang on a minute, is this right for me? Is this is this really it? 
And it's, you know, I, I think there's an element of courage there, isn't there, in terms of like you'd invested a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of energy, a lot of pride, a lot of whatever, perhaps a status, and then to make that change. Not everybody does that. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think you're right. Like it, it, it probably to many around me would have felt like a midlife crisis and and maybe to myself as well it it was just an absolute necessity that I made a change Mm. and now having been introduced to coaching and people asking you questions without giving you any solutions but helping you explore what's going on I realized I probably could have done with a bit of that Mm. and the you know you're saying how how it was scary it was scary to do it and to quit my job I basically ended up quitting my job and and going into the personal training course without having any work but with an understanding that my my partner at the time she was supporting me to do it so we we didn't have many overheads we didn't have kids then Mm -hmm. so we were able to get by on on one wage while I was kind of sorting myself out Mm -hmm. um You'd have to ask her how she felt about that. Um, it's it's not my my story to tell, but um, you know, it it certainly was a challenging time having no income, having had a decent salary and bonuses and a car, mm-hmm. and all this kind of thing, and the little bit of money I used to get from football, I'd gotten injured just as I started personal training, so everything kind of changed. All is like I did my knee ligaments and the day before I was due to start in the gym when I finally got a, a job per se was um I snapped my ACL so I turned up to I'd shadowed in the gym and all this kind of stuff but the owner was going to be on holiday and I turned up with a swollen knee and not sure what I was going to actually be able to do and show and demonstrate in the gym I nearly passed out once when I knocked a tennis ball across the room later in the week and, and it and it twinged, you know, just a really fascinating beginning to personal training and like felt like being thrown in the deep end, having just been absolutely hammered by a by a knee injury. So it, it was a it was a pretty bumpy start. Mm-hmm. Um but with a lot of support from the guys in the gym at Bodyguard. So I really and a really holistic place to begin. And I don't think we were just discussing today how there aren't many facilities that or, or gyms with an ethos of, of catering for so many different types. Mm. Um, like we were just mentioning before we got on the call, um, you know, gyms can be a scary place yeah, to yeah. go into. And I would say I was always a bit intimidated. I, I wasn't a regular gym goer at all by any stretch. I, went at uni a couple of times and thought this isn't isn't for me I don't get it and maybe that's helped me help others who don't get it either um and and I think that's a big message to kind of remember for myself when I'm meeting new people that it's it's a bit of an alien environment at first Mm. yet it can be a super safe space to enjoy explore learn get stronger gain a bit of confidence in your own body and and your mindset as well around pain and can you improve yeah you know if you've hurt yourself can you get better um which i think reflecting more recently i don't know how this comes into sort of what we've learned up until midlife but um football was taught me that you could get injured and you could recover whereas 
there's many people who are new to sport or activity who've never really had any physical pain they've never had any physical setbacks so that or their thing has persisted for so long that it's a chronic pain and they can't see themselves getting better mm. because they've never noticed anything about their body improving as a as an adult it's it's just been a downward <laughs> downward trajectory um which is i guess something i've taken for granted that i've in, gotten injured loads in football mm. and it's taught me loads and i've learned and it's still you know kicks me every now and again but um it's a real source of learning and and that knowledge that you can improve once you've hurt yourself once you've been injured you can get better again um so it gives me hope always yeah i think that's an interesting point actually it was a lot there with the the, the gym side um i suppose just to kind of cap off your start to it it's funny how um i found it's it's not universal but i found with a number of people who have made big decisions including myself that when we make big decisions, it doesn't all suddenly turn out sweetness light in that moment. There seems to be, there seems to be a lot of things go wrong at those moments, and I don't know—is it a test or what? I don't because I'm not necessarily saying there's anything going on around behind that, but it just feels like this. Do you really want this? <laughs> do you know? And it's easy to be put off by those things. But obviously, you you carried on with it, and 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 I think that idea or that situation of living with a you know a, a total change in income and what have you that takes a, a, you know it does take something doesn't it to do it and you said something about I can't remember the exact word you said but you know you you needed to leave or something like that it wasn't the word you said but I remember somebody saying to me when I um, was trying trying to escape the police as I like to call it leave the police um, was um, why don't you just get your head down and keep doing the job get your pension and and at that moment it was one of those thoughts where I thought it would take more it, it would take more for me to stay than to leave and perhaps for many of us, it's that point. Um, and it's almost like, what do you have to sort of deaden in yourself to stay? What part of you do you have to sort of sacrifice emotionally or whatever? And this is why this is important to me is because how many of us have maybe made that choice? And, you know, it's not about questioning the choice. It's just about recognizing that there might be other ways than staying put if that's definitely not for you. And it's not yeah. all roses at the other side. It's not all sunny and glamorous. It's hard work, but there's a certain amount of feeling more alive to it. You talked about energy, didn't you, before when you when you left that you, you you just found your energy was on the floor. Yeah. Out yeah. of the role. There's something that you, you kind of, you know, it's not pounds and pence or anything, but it is something very, very tangible and important, isn't it? The energy you feel and gain in life from what you do. Yeah. Um, like I've been introduced to some interesting theories about how we look at the world. And one of the most more recent ones is around warm data. Right. And so st statistically, my life was okay. I had a lovely partner. I was playing football. Um, like all my family were well. My job was um had a good income. I was progressing, I was learning more, earning more. So everything statistically was going in the right direction, ticking a lot of boxes. Yeah, I felt terrible, like particularly when I was left to my own thoughts and being um, in sales and working from home and very few interactions with in-person interactions with the rest of my colleagues in the UK. Um, that lonely place, mm. like I remember just sitting at the at the laptop, just sweating, going and not knowing what it was. It's before, you know, I know what anxiety is. It's before I know any of these kind of what these emotions could be, what these feelings could be. And 
the the sense was just I can't keep doing this. But one one of the where the warm data comes in there, um, a really interesting guy, Toby Law at Newcastle University, he's Northumbria Universities. He he works in um, systems, and he he gave a talk during the pandemic with a few other practitioners, and they were saying about risk and how we often under level put risk at a, a much lower degree for staying the same mm -hmm. than we do how we assess risk for change yeah and he said but if you actually look at some of the more useful data you can see that you're about to drop off a cliff you know and that's how it felt for me I was energy wise I was dropping off the cliff there was so little in the hole the, the, the parts were fine all the parts were fine but the hole was was awful it was it wasn't integrated into me I guess mm. I was I was disintegrating and my energy was um my energy was dropping at any given time to the point where I remember going for a run and I couldn't run and yet I was playing footy training twice a week or you know, playing twice a week and even playing Sundays as well so I was as fit as I needed to be and yet I run on my own to do a bit extra and I was like oh you know a feeling of I had the expression about dread the other day, maybe dread, like, but just I can't, con literally, I couldn't continue going on the path I was on. And that was both physical and metaphorical. I couldn't take another step in that direction. And I had to go home and I did. I stopped running, I went home, wanted to have a good cry. I don't know if I did, I don't know if I would have allowed myself to do that. And, and it was all that conflicting thought about, well, you should be good at sciences enough. Like you've come through the sciences background, you know, you're making some money. That's good. You know, it, it was, a, yeah, it just felt wrong. Mm. It, the whole felt wrong. And I had to, I had to change. And I nearly got a job for another company at the time, which may have been a better fit for me, like a bigger company. I would have maybe could have learned a few more things from working with different people and, and things like that. But I, I think that would have been a band-aid to the problem that I was in the wrong profession. And I might have earned more money, had more success, mm. more data points in the right direction. And yet the feeling underneath, I don't I don't think I could have been kidding myself that that was right. Yeah. And learning to trust that is it that's scary, you know, because I didn't know really how it was going to turn out. And you know, you self-employed, you never really know. No, no um and and that is scary but it also allows you to do a bit of testing <laughs> and yeah. and see what happens and i would say it's, it's definitely been a journey of personal understanding and an appreciation of all the random things i've done in the past that haven't seemed to seem like they connect and now they're all beginning to connect yeah, yeah. you know they're all a little bit useful like I can look back with a bit of a smile rather than a, oh my God, what a waste of time, which definitely would have been a, a thought. And mm. I'm glad for the the people I've li listened to over the years that say you can find something decent in the past. You might not love all of it, but it, it had to be the way it was because it would have been different otherwise. Yeah. 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 I think there's, there's, that's a, a, a great sort of, articulation really I think of some of the feelings that probably many of us have at points in life 
um and some will kind of choose to just as you say leave the and start something completely different that feels more you know that feels more intuitively right others may choose to stay put um and if it's not right it's how do you cope with that and that's where i kind of find that you, you get that temptation to maybe sort of deaden the emotions with alcohol or just work hard or denial and a, a combination of that or you change job which gives you a temporary hit yeah um, and you keep moving in a sense, which can kind of do it, but it doesn't quite scratch the itch. It doesn't reach that deep enough. Um, and I'm I'm talking for myself because I did, you know, I did that a bit in the police. It took me a long time to escape the police, as I say. But I tried lots of different roles, and some of them were really good. You know, I've got no regrets. As you say, I look back very fondly on some of them, um, some dark times as well. But the experience and the insight and the gifts it gave in terms of skills and that were brilliant. But I also know that while I was doing it, it wasn't it. It wasn't the thing. So it's kind of it's part of the journey, but learning to trust that something inside, I think, is is the key. And I guess really for for listeners, it's more about understanding that those feelings, that if they're there, they're not you being, you know, selfish, weak, whatever those other feelings. You know, the should word that you use. I should be okay with that. You know, science should be enough. All that kind of stuff. Actually, it might be a signal that's that for a little bit more thought and reflection. So I love that, you know, aspect of it. Um, I guess moving on to the um, the 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 training side, one of the things that started our conversation, we met at a networking event a good few years ago now, wasn't it? The good old Andrew and Pete Atomic Network. Yes, yes. Brilliant. Um, and, but when we were talking and you're talking about your role, and I, I know I've told you this phrase before, but you said to me, you know, I, it's about walking your way back to the gym. Because uh, we were talking about getting started back in fitness. And I think back then I was very much not on the fitness trail, but wanting to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it resonated with me because your explanation, well, do you want to explain what you meant by walking your way back to the gym? If you're coming in from the cold, as it were, you know, you're not having tried it, maybe years of abstinence, you know, abstinence from the gym or fitness or anything. What what did you mean by that? Because I think it was a great analogy. Well, it, I think around that time, there was a lot of awareness around that we should be walking a lot more just in general it's good for us it's a good low level of cardio if you want to use that kind of terminology and often what we might find is that people come in the gym and they're not actually doing any general movement in the day-to-day life and to feel like they've done the gym they want to go all out in the gym Mm. which might be the last thing they need to do because they're pretty fried at work yeah and and they're really pushing it hard at work and yeah, they do need to move their bodies and expose some movement again. But actually, how are they going to recover from that hard session in the gym if they're not doing anything to build a general level of conditioning? And since since we had that conversation, more research comes to, to mind that cross-country skiers in Norway, there was a talk by a, an American sports scientist when he first went to work over there and he was like watching these athletes and he there was one of them he met on a she was out on a run so fittest people on the planet cross-country skiers by all account and he, he sees one of his athletes and she's walking up the hill and he's like I have never been on a training session and there's been a hill and I've walked up it I would grind my way to the top and and he gets to having a conversation he's like what what are you doing <laughs> like why are you walking up this hill and I forget the exact numbers or anything like that, but basically it's like it's an easy day. Heart rate can't go above 120. 
if I run up this hill, I'm going to push 130, 140. And it, it's not the kind of training I'm doing today. I'm doing the base layer training. Right. And and once once I've got that in the bag, then I can do some really intense stuff. And it, it turns out like their intense stuff was only short bouts. It's much more like how we might traditionally see the fight or flight system being used maybe we're in a sporting context or maybe for a bit longer than a few seconds, but that the the main focus is making sure that the body works well and efficiently. And, and that includes the energy systems as well. Like obviously if you've got some tight muscles, you might want to intensively open them up and stretch them or have them manipulated through any manual therapy, but the actual training is to, to get a, a solid base that allows you to recover well and then eventually you move quite quickly at a low heart rate, a low, yeah, it, you're, you're moving fast, but you're, you're, you're working easy. Hmm. And, and the, the people I've heard speak about this say it's, maybe it comes to, back to this point about um, how we deal with discomfort and what we might do, like the addiction things, is maybe we use exercise a lot like a, a drug, like we're, we've got discomfort in our life, um it's probably one of the better drugs to use because you get physically stronger and fit but it still allows you to ignore all the pain and suffering by putting yourself under physical pain and suffering <laughs> and yeah maybe we 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 don't want to slow down enough and do the walking and do the easy work because we're left with our own thoughts and our demons in that slow space whereas if we're sprinting I challenge anyone to run really fast, particularly down a hill and think about anything other than not falling on their head. You know what I mean? Like the 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 environment brings a, a demand for concentration and focus. That's um that's pretty profound. I hadn't thought about it like that, you know. Um the the going slow. I, there is a culture, isn't it? The no pain, no gain. And uh, and I think for me, you know, when I started back into fitness um after years of you know absence type of thing or sporadic i mean 2010 2012 i did the lands and john and gross london barcelona cycle rides i wasn't a cyclist it was that the, they were kind of in the middle of whatever and then let it go for a number of years but for me it was always about just get back to it get back to that five mile run get back and you know you it, it wasn't worth it unless you were working hard and i think mm -hmm. this is one of the challenges particularly as a you know in my 20s i probably could get away with it but in in as was then you know the the 40s and now 50s the body is less forgiven. It takes a lot more recovery. The, there's all the aches and pains and injuries and tensions that I have to, I've got no choice but to respect. Do you know what I mean? And that that mindset that stopped and really had me many false starts getting back into fitness, um, coupled with once I was into it, probably overdoing it and injuring myself from time to time before I finally started finding my group. And I can still do it now. I still pull the muscle here because I'm, ego gets in the way. But it's battling that mindset that we have to work that hard. And I think for, as, as I say, for midlifers, it's something that we must come to terms with in order to make it more sustainable and consistent, which is why it makes a lot of sense that idea of just walk your way to the build the base. But I, I'd never thought about that idea that there's other things going on, you know, your, your, your mind, you know, how do we occupy the mind when actually you're going slow enough for you to think, and actually that might be where the uncomfortable feelings and thoughts lie. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
I mean, I've recently been influenced by listening to Johnny Wilkinson be interviewed on the High Performance Podcast. Yes. And point. and he he's saying, like, there's no difference between washing the dishes and winning the World Cup. And, uh, and everyone's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, but the, that's a general instinct to that is it's like, well, what you're doing, you're using your body to attain a goal. Mm. What left in the World Cup is a goal, washing washing your mug <laughs> your coffee cup is another goal lifting that yeah. at the end and it's sparkling and clean and he says often what, what happens is we just don't engage enough in the thing that we're doing so if we're finding walking not engaging enough therefore our thoughts are here there and everywhere let's find a way to make walking more interesting mm. and I, and i think it, it comes to like maybe some of my yeah, things that i would say really changed my perception of what is activity and movement is when I was encouraged to get my shoes and socks off take your shoes and socks off and go for a walk it's difficult to think about not standing in glass dog poo and whatever else might be on the streets or the, on 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 the grass and the, all of a sudden you're engaged mm. like the environment draws you in and you 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 need to stay on it because you're gonna stand on it if you don't stand it you know like it's it's so important, you know, you could really hurt yourself. So it's it's maybe not just walking your way to the gym, it's engaging in, in the walking and and also exploring. Like you can walk backwards, you can walk sides, you walk up a hill, down a hill, take your shoes off, walk on your hands. You know, like there's there's many different ways of doing this low level stuff and making it way more engaging and and it seems a lot of the the more mindfulness practices or um, meditation practices, when you hear people talking about sensation as being a great way to bring yourself out of thought and into the moment, you don't even need to talk about any of that stuff if you take someone's shoes off, because it's a brand new experience for most people to walk in the grass and get wet on muddy feet and just go, oh, this is actually, it feels like being a kid. Like I, I can still remember running at the like um my grandparents had like a static caravan in I think it was Hutton Sessie and uh running on the grass and barefoot and feeling rapid, you know, so free and fun and it was great to twist and turn and all that, and then suddenly putting football boots on felt awful, constraint, fixed, shins hurt, heavy, not free. Mm. And, you know, that's the first time I've had that thought in, in a long, long time. But how many things constrain us mm. and but get us used to those constraints? A bit like the trappings of a job with the salary. Mm. You're used to those constraints. I can't do anything else or a mortgage or whatever constraint. And, and not engaging in what I'm doing because the stimulus is so blocked because of all the barriers all the numbness and once we start experiencing our bodies and noticing how they feel and the choices become maybe less because you're like i just can't do that anymore you know there's maybe less choice because it's more obvious that it's it's just not that good for us anymore mm. and i'm not saying i don't put on football boots and i'd love them to create some more minimal style football boots that don't absolutely wedge your feet if you've got broad feet but yeah, it it it's just continuously brings me back to like uh, 
if we're more engaged, it's just more fun. Like I see my kids playing and they're just fully engaged. Yeah. You know. Midlife Reshape Academy is now up and running and the founder members are off to a great start. If you too are a midlifer and you're finding your health and weight have slipped in the wrong direction, you're feeling overwhelmed and lost by the prospect of embarking on yet another attempt to regain your health, then drop me a line at dave at restlessmidlifer.com to find out how my Reshape Immersive programs can help provide everything you need to get you back on track and achieving more than you thought possible in terms of your weight, health and zest for midlife and beyond. You can find out more at midlifereshape.com. You know, yeah, that that's that, that's there's there's overlaps there, isn't there? So much with with childlike kind of behaviour. I mean, I, I watch Rosie on the morning. I've started this new kind of routine for myself of when I get up, wake up, I get up, um, and, but I don't get up in order to go out for a run or to meditate per se. What I do is I kind of I, I've I wrote a little article about whether I'm a are you a diesel engine or a petrol engine. I'm more of a diesel engine. I need the the it to, the the ignition to be on for a while to warm up. But I set myself a no agenda of just sit with a cup of tea downstairs in the quiet. Don't there's no agenda. There's no to do list, and that that can pose an issue because you're starting to be there present to your thoughts. But that's where potentially the mindfulness comes in because you can start to notice sensations and that's a classic, as you say, mindful practice, but also for sleep practice. You know, you start to notice sensations in your toes, the body scan work, you wake up your body, all those things. But actually just being present to your thoughts as well without an agenda can be, Yeah, it, it's a challenge in terms of it can bring up uncomfortable stuff, but that can be nice. But what I did notice was I was a little bit more present to the morning routines with Rosie and mm-hmm. how she is so, you know, any moment she can switch into an activity and or turn something into play or it becomes playful and actually you know and good parent and teachers to say this is turn it into a game and she, you've got to like get her dressed for school you turn it into a game she's there she's done do you know what i mean if you make it a slog it's not but it's that delight that innocence of childhood isn't it and as adults we we kind of get it in this place of we should i should get to the gym i should go out for a run but actually Nobody's saying should. Who says? That's a phrase I use a lot in myself and with coaching is who says? And often nobody says or a, a voice from the past says. So what's wrong with going for a walk? And as you say, just paying attention and noticing or as you say, barefoot, whatever. It's um, it's movement and movement is what we've evolved to do, isn't it? Yeah. And how many people will go for a walk without a dog or without the purpose yeah. of a run? That's an interesting thing because I, I sometimes dog yeah. sit uh, my son's dog Milo and I feel justified in going for a walk, enjoy it. But then I think, well, why don't I do this without? But there's a part of you go, yeah, but you can't do that. <laughs> you can't yeah. walk around without the dog, but you can, of course you can, and I do. You know, it's 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 lovely, isn't it? Yeah, and I know as soon as I walk out the door, I can feel a difference in myself. Like yeah. even if I just get out the back door and I breathe that air and stand outside it's like being in a different universe Hmm. and yeah and if i like you said if i didn't have this real purpose to go do something like i might not go out or i might not stay out for very long i rarely do i take myself for a walk on my own like Hmm. do i allow myself to just go for a walk maybe i'll i'll go and have a phone conversation like with a with a, a friend or a client on my own and and you get some funny looks because you haven't got a dog yeah. <laughs> and they don't know who you're talking to if your headphones are covered um <laughs> and, and yeah 
how often would you dare take yourself for a walk? Because it's just not normal. Like, yeah. what you're doing, I'm just walking because I want to, because <laughs> it's nice. <laughs> what are you doing that for? Are you training for something? No, yeah. no, no. Yeah. And you know what? You're right, because we're kind of, there's a lot of, like, going into, well, if I'm going to get fit, I'm going to go to the gym or I'm going to go for a run or um, or something, a class or something. Whereas, actually, as you say, that base layer is very much about just move and walk and what have you. And this is where I think, um, get back to your point about the, the perceptions we have about the gym. It's not that the gym's a bad place because it's actually uh, an opportunity place of full of opportunity. But for many of us, it's getting to that place, you know, getting your yeah. mind ready for it, but also your body. Because as you say, you know, the, the gym that I'm at, CrossFit Taylor Trainer, it's very much, you could go there, start from scratch and they tailor things. But I guess for many gyms where you go in and sort of see to yourself or whatever, you've only got yourself to guide you or, you know, you, you plunged into it. So you need that build up, don't you? But what what's you know you 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 say you work at a gym as bodyguards isn't it is in uh, Jesmond yeah yeah a shout out um, they seem to be sort of pretty good at that being welcoming and open to people with, from different ranges abilities experiences but also helping them in their confidence levels do you want to talk us through what some of the things that how that works yeah I mean we perspective in 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 it's interesting we have the full spectrum of people coming there we've had like sort of some of the parents bring their kids in from you know 12 to 14 year olds and then 75 year olds and and everything in between and the general feel because it's a personal training gym it it's this one it's a nice space to be in it's 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 pretty quiet um area and and the music can be banging at times, but you're working one-on-one -on -one with somebody generally. And yeah, I don't know if you find this when you're coaching, you just everything else disappears. Like the world around you disappears. Sometimes you can be working with someone for an hour and then all of a, you started the session and the gym was full and you end it and like, oh, everyone's gone. Because you're just fully immersed in working with that person. Um, and there's something, I think that a lot of clients have fed that back. It's really great it feels really safe when you're working one-on-one -on -one with somebody mm. one because you can get that bit of feedback and all there's that element but two there's no watching eyes really mm. as in because they're work they're working with the person they're working with they're doing what that what they're doing so the the discomfort and those thoughts about oh what they're thinking about me uh, uh, they're probably still there but they're a lot less you know mm. um you you you're more well held in that space mm. And therefore, you can explore what's going on for you. And in, in that space, people will be doing all sorts of different activities from, you know, heavy lifting to sledge pushes to more Pilates yoga type moves to crawling around, to rolling around, to meditating. Like anything could be going on. Mm. Yet, hopefully for as many people as possible, it feels safe enough mm -hmm. um, to do what you need to do or want to do. And... And I think that's that's what's unique about it is we treat everybody the same, as in everyone's unique and an individual. Yeah, and yeah. we hopefully deliver what they need the best we can with what we know at the time. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure we get it wrong as well. You know, people come and go from the gym. They don't always stay on forever, but we've clients and they've been there for 20 years. Um, and that's a testament to the kind of place it is. Um, and then you'll have some people who don't stay too long and that's fine as well. But 
yeah, I don't think too many people like give us bad press. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Um, and it's welcoming, you know, it's it's it could be a great start, it could be a great middle of your fitness career, it could be a great end to it, you know. It it has the opportunity to be all all those things. Um yeah. I think I think that's really important because one of the things that I often say it's kind of tongue-in-cheek, but uh it's not about the diet. Um and and obviously that's important. So that it's kind of a given, but it's all about all the other stuff. And I guess it's it's not about the exercise. It's about all the other stuff that we come to it with. And, you know, I can remember times when, you know, even a young lad going into a gym feeling like what on earth and feeling really self-conscious. But, you know, if, if we're kind of returning to it, perhaps with, you know, fitness wise, health wise, weight wise, we're not where we want to be, not comfortable at all. And so feeling very self-conscious ourselves going into somewhere that we have a perception of. And in some places, it's a reality, you know, let's be right, there are places where you go into and you feel, you can feel a sense of elitism and whatever. But mm -hmm. if you're going in with that that baggage, it really is important to have that welcome and that atmosphere that kind of says, look, none of that matters. Let, let's kind of treat you, see where you're at, and let's do what's right for you. And, and, and the point of it is that you can at any age, you know, you mentioned an age range there. Um, it's kind of like it's never too late. Do you know what yeah. I mean? To make a start. Um, yes, you've got to, we've got to sort of address the getting over the hurdles in our own mind about the perceptions, but it is never too late. Yeah. And, and I think within that, it's never too late. I, I said once to a client and he pulled me on it a few times. He's like, I really remember when he said this, it's like, unless you've been a finely tuned athlete, then the chances are you haven't reached your best in terms of performance. You know, yeah. and actually a lot of athletes come out of their sport and they're way more generally well for leaving the sport because it was so specific. Right. And and they learn to move way better because they don't have to just run really fast in a straight line or get used to taking massive hits on a rugby pitch. They're like, oh, I, I feel way better in my body now, uh, now that I can get in and out of the car. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. so generally I would say everyone's got room for improvement even if it's just to feel more comfortable and happy and exploring their body where it really is now mm. and and letting go of some of those shoulds or expectations of what it or what it would have been like if it had you know stayed on this amazing perfect trajectory of having the perfect body that I mythically could have started when I was like 16 um mm. so it's there's always room for improvement like people can always get stronger learn new stuff like my daughter's into um george stevenson at the moment the the who who, who created the rocket the engine the steam engine oh, yeah. yeah and she came home buzzing about it and she said uh, and so we ended up like looking him up online turned out he couldn't read or write until he was 18 like a phenomenal in influence on and basically the world and, and steam engines. And yet he couldn't read or write until he was 18. And often we're like, that's, we would say that's fundamental to doing well in life kind of thing. You should have it when you're a kid. And yet we're throwing ourselves under the bus frequently for not being able to do something. Yeah. Saying, oh, if you don't have it now, you'll never have it. It's just not true. Mm. And some people hate being quoted stuff from sort of neuroscience and all that, but we're always creating new connections in our brain and we're always pruning them. Yeah. It's always possible to learn something, but often the environments are so frightening or we perceive them to be so frightening that there is no space for learning and growth or letting go because it's yeah. just not safe and we don't feel it's safe enough to do so. 
that, that's think, yeah. yeah no i think that's such a powerful point and it, it it's um we can always learn you, the environment is critical absolutely and and it's and it's kind of recognizing that perhaps we the environment i.e in our head needs a bit of work as well do you know what i mean in terms of our beliefs about it and what have you but i guess that thing that's where it's encouraging isn't it to, i love that idea actually just thinking about it, that you know what unless you were a fine-tuned athlete you can f- sort of find a level in an area of your health where you've never been as good now it might not be in everything but uh, maybe is that kind of what you were implying about yeah, yeah it might like, not be in everything and there might be certain limitations because of a you know a condition or a mobility or something but there, there, there may well be some area that you can you can excel and feel better in than you would probably ever have it's an interesting yeah. thought that isn't it well, there's definitely in, in some area you can take a step forward where you'd, you'd never actually moved before. Like I, I I was probably as fit as I ever was when I was in my like mid to late 20s. And it was that the, the walk in the walk in piece comes from that experience. I, I was I'd finished my PhD. Or I was writing up and I was playing like football, like semi pro, which for me was an absolute like amazing achievement. It felt like. And my best ever season was when I was working in a digital print company. Um, and I I stood on my feet and finished off prints, cutting, folding, um, rarely sat down in, in the sort of day. I didn't change any of my training patterns at all. I didn't do more. I wasn't doing any more skill sessions or anything like that. But my day-to-day, I was just generally more active. Mm. And then you add on top of that, doing the intensity of training and the matches themselves. And I had a brilliant season. Like, and everyone would have said that. Like, the season before wasn't as good. The season after I wasn't as good because I'd left that job. And I was back to sitting again. And all of a sudden, I'm like, why am I so crap at football? Like, why I'm not I'm not on point at all. And and I didn't appreciate it at the time, but I can now, that I'd lost my low-level aerobic exercise. You know, I just didn't have general movement in my body day to day. I was sat on my ass doing, you know, computer stuff mm. in my next job. And and the thing I loved to do was less because of it, because I just wasn't doing the general basics for the body, which is just moving around a lot and plus this was in a um an old farm building so it was easy to get outdoors it was just had a different vibe to it yeah. and it it's not like it was a perfect environment for movement you know and, and health and well-being it wasn't this idyllic space but it it was decent for my body moving around like that and yeah i'll hopefully remember to remind myself about that you know and it it always makes me wonder about how we do our day-to-day lives. Like whereabouts should movement be when we're talking about kids' education? You know, how much should they be moving and learning rather than sitting and learning? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's all brain-based stuff. It is. And I think you're right. We're, I mean, we've evolved to be on the move and to do a lot on the move, including thinking, communicating, connecting, socializing. Do you know what I mean? It's been it's part and part of who we are. Um being being mobile and i remember you know i I think back to jobs as a waiter you know part-time on top of another job i spent um, a lot of time on my feet and you know walking upstairs running about was not was not nothing but when i became more static um that's when 
you know, the idea of going up a set of stairs, I'd kind of subconsciously avoid if I got the chance, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I think you're right. It's it's kind of that's the challenge, I guess, as we get on in life and perhaps positions of jobs, etc. Um, it becomes more like particularly now when we probably spend more time on computers, on Teams and Zooms. Yeah. Uh, just getting out and moving more can be a real combat to aging, to the natural process. Oh, yeah. That, that's probably one of the best things you could do for the foundation by the sounds of it. Just incidentally move more, you know. Yes, yeah, yeah. You, you know, you do the finer points in the gym, um, but just moving more can, can be a real great way, which is why I go, I go back to that phrase, you know, you got to walk your way to the gym. It's always struck me as a really important, profound point. Yeah. Yeah, we we... we... We did a we did a talk once um, down in Darlington, and we were discussing what data do you collect on yourself. And um, I I was given like a twenty minute presentation, and uh, I said, oh, I, I got myself a Fitbit on the back of one of my my clients, noticing a few things about what their heart was doing during sessions and what it was doing during work, and and just picking up a bit of background data, and. Um, was saying about this we need to walk you know walk our way back to the gym and and actually two of my clients questioned me when I got a Fitbit they were like why do you need a Fitbit like why do you need to monitor this stuff I was like because I have no idea how much walking to do and I'm curious because there's all this stuff being banged about about it's important to walk and have no idea and so you know going around the gym and stuff I was I was doing quite a bit and then I thought, all right, I'm just going to take the Fitbit off and I'm just going to see what my phone picks up. Mm. So I, I don't um, I don't carry my phone around in the gym with me. It's just on the side out the way. And so basically any steps that my phone collects are going to be outdoors. Mm. And then all of a sudden I'm down to like in busy periods in the gym, I'm down to, you know, a couple hundred steps outdoors. Nice, yeah. In the fresh, therefore not in the fresh air, you know, gym inside intensive. So I'm, you know, moving around generally. I've still got this general movement, but I haven't had any fresh air and I didn't really know that. And and then um, it's like, well, where can we get this extra walking in? And uh, one of the guys who was, who was on the, like in the meeting, he was just like, oh yeah, what about park and stride? And it was such a lovely idea. Yeah. Just park a bit further away. Find a free car park if you're in the city centre and walk from there. Yeah, yeah. And and it was just like, yeah, that's a catchy one. Park and stride. Let's let's go for that. You know. Um, I love that. Is that, is that actually a phrase, or was that just something he came he, up with? he he created? Park and yeah, stride. Park, because, park and stride. Yeah. It's a great catchy way of saying exactly that. And just yeah, because we'll often like try to get the parking space nearest or closer to, and actually that's more stressful because they're usually the ones that are taken. And yeah. what's wrong with a little bit extra walk? So it, yeah, it's 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 just getting a bit creative, I think, and 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 not sort of making it a huge stressor in your day, like I must get, but just looking for opportunities. It's being present to it, isn't it? And thinking, right. Yeah. I mean, I talk about uh, this week. I've been talking about my daily act of defiance. You know, what what small thing can you do every day that can point to you? You know, well, actually, I've done that. That will that count as the negative voice in your head. And for many, it is just saying, well, I'm going to take a break. Every day I'm going to insist on taking a break because it's so easy to not even do that, isn't it? You know, to like to do that 10 minutes and get outside for 10 minutes, even whatever the weather. And little moments like that can really add to the mix, you know, in terms of the other stuff. You know, I, I go, I might go to CrossFit a few times a week, but I spend a lot of time at my desk 
mm-hmm. then you know question how much that might be undoing it you know so you've got to kind of factor that in yeah yeah and it's suggested that you don't need to do too much to maintain a pretty well body you know mm-hmm. if you're coming from a place of being pretty unwell and pretty unfit or un- incapable then yeah maybe you need to spend a bit more time on it but I don't think you're ever going to regret going outside for five minutes Mm -hmm. unless you miss the emergency phone call and therefore it's an emergency. So it's not normal. Mm -hmm. So like, yeah, going, going in the, like we had a, we have these four and a half hour zoom meetings doing these Brené Brown courses. And I I came, came back after one of the breaks and I was like, man, I've got mud all over my hands. (laughs) I've been doing handstands in the garden and Mm -hmm. And I was like, I wonder how many people have done a handstand in the middle of a Zoom call <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. As, a, as a break. And yeah. one, I'm just really grateful I've got a garden to do a handstand in and that I can do a handstand, which I couldn't do when I was playing football. Mm. You know, I couldn't get my hands above my head. Yeah. Uh, they were trashed from swimming um, as a kid. So, um, yeah, like this. And I felt brilliant for having messed around like that in the garden. And I think it's figuring out what is your most delightful mess around which is a bit of a break from whatever it is you're doing like what is fun to do and that's a great point you know and I think it's also what could it replace because you know in those moments the temptation is just go straight on your phone or email and just get a few of them knocked off yeah yeah it's identifying something so I think this is an important one is not just having the thing you'll do but identifying what you what will signal you to not do so so the the not doing is a signal so take a break from the zoom instinctively go to email right that's my signal too so you yeah. kind of replace it but you're using the email as a cue to do it as well as much as the break you know as yeah. an extra added cue so i, I love that I, I like that i that that sort of thought that you know it doesn't take a lot to keep a well body and perhaps that's something else that you know we we can forget do you know what I mean? We forget that oh, I must be doing this. I should be doing that. There's lots of what I have to do in order to stay well. And actually, if we strip it away, there's some basics. Do, do you know what I mean? And and that is take some breaks, yeah. move a little bit more than you probably do, um, and have some quiet downtime, preferably outside. Yeah. You know, in yeah. terms of the basics. Yeah. Yeah. Try walking outside without your shoes on if you've got a got a space that's safe enough, and come back in and wash them. There's your movement done. There's your hip flexibility yeah. done yeah so long as you can do that then you're probably not doing too bad yeah yeah i have visions of uh, bruce willis taking his shoes off in the nakatomi building and die <laughs> for some strange reason but <laughs> there he was doing a mindful moment yeah <laughs> yeah definitely um yeah anyway i'm conscious of time but it's been brilliant it's been brilliant um the, what we've covered and sharing some thoughts around how do we get started? And also your your midlife journey is, well, I guess it was a younger than midlife journey, potentially. How old were you when you made that switch, by the way, just as a... Um, I, w- I would have been about 33. All right. So yeah, um, for, 45 now. Right. So we'll give you, we'll give you that. Hopefully coming to the tail end of the midlife crisis. Right. Um, right. Midlife um, crisis, so-called, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The... Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for everything, uh, Dung. And any parting thoughts for everybody? We'll, we'll include links and show notes to your, to your, to how they can get in touch with you. But is there anything that you want to say anywhere they can get in touch with if you do want to, they do want to follow up on anything you've said? Um, the 
the thing for me is just to, to start enjoying life again and enjoying the body again and playing a bit like I, I've worked with um, a family a young family over the lockdown and they've taught me what is play like absolutely the only thing that was structured that we would turn up at the same time twice a week for an hour and that was it and I've seen these kids get stronger and uh, more capable more confident and we haven't lifted a weight other than them climbing up and around climbing frames in the park nice. we've been on skateboards we've had our shoes and socks off you know we've crawled we've laughed had a bit of a rough and tumble and and that wasn't just them it was their mum and grandma involved you know so in massive injuries as well you know and and we were all better for that play mm. and when we when we don't allow ourselves to play like what we're not going to have too much fun you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> like enjoy the journey and that starts by having a bit of fun with it you know it's and i and i, I lose myself in all seriousness every now and again and you know go into a world of study and research but it's generally in the aid of seeing how much fun i can have with it <laughs> Yeah. Um. And what conversations I can get myself into with it, and I think my Madden or my current, hopefully coming out of my midlife crisis is, you know, being brave enough to have more fun, mm. and and have great relationships, be very purposeful with with that, but not knowing what that purpose might ultimately be, even you know, just letting mm. go of the expectations and just enjoying it. And someone came in the gym the other day and. And they're like um they were just grinning as they hung on the bars you know like oh i used to climb trees as a kid and and they ha they're in the 40s and they hadn't thought about climbing and having any fun with their body they thought the gym was going to be a punishment <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean and then all of a sudden they're grinning and, and just seeing someone grin as they remember their youth but the fun they used to be able to have with their body and you can have that by rolling around of a guy who's in his 70s and he's rolling in the gym and he's like a a, a doctor and he's like, oh, I can see the I can see from when we did anatomy, all the muscles moving as a roll. And I know where that bit connects to from doing the dissection work. And it's like, never, never got into dissect. I never did anything beyond dissection, looking at the body because I, I went into a different field of medicine. Mm. That's that's 50 years later. He's super curious about his body again as he's rolling on the ground grinning about how far can he rock to one side without falling and and it, it's just like we can do it and the kids show us what to do all the time yeah yeah, yeah. just roll around start start on the floor and find your way to standing and then yeah. find your way to smiling with it all and yeah. but yeah um i guess i'm easy enough to find like uh I, it's yeah i'm not so great with all the online media stuff but i have an email address i have a telephone number um so maybe they can they can contact you and you can give it to them if they're so so quiet no uh, it's no bother don't and it's great and i think that's a good point to finish because that's really for me the spirit of the restless midlifer is just getting back to a sense of adventure and fun for its own sake i think it is a great part and 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 your body is the vehicle for that as much as anything else you know and and you know as i say you don't it doesn't take a lot but moving it 
having fun with it could could tra be transformational physically psychologically in all ways and i think that's a brilliant point to finish with so thank you very much for your yeah. time it's been brilliant thank, thank you very much and just on that midlife like i think that's it remember we're in the middle of life we have to be in the middle of it so just be in the middle of it <laughs> Like That's just be that. right in the middle of your own life and 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 see what you find there. I love that. I never thought about it like that. Just be in the middle of it. Get in the middle of it. Get in amongst yeah. it and enjoy it. Love it. Thanks, Cheers. Dave. Thanks. And uh, for anybody, if you have any questions or feedback, then drop me a line at Dave at restlessmidlifer.com. And uh, any thoughts, give me a shout. But take care for now. Thank you for listening. You'll find all show notes, links and resources mentioned at midlifereshape.com forward slash podcast. And it would mean so much if you could spread the word to your fellow restless midlifers. Share the show and links. And if you aren't already, subscribe to the show in your podcast feed of choice. And one more thing. If you enjoy the show, it would be great if you could rate it by visiting midlifereshape.com forward slash review. It would mean so much, and I may even give you a shout out in return. And a quick final thanks to production assistant Karen North of North BA and for the music, which is called Silver Star by the awesome Logan Nicholson of Music for Makers at musicformakers.com. Take care for now, and don't forget you really can reshape your midlife health and rekindle that spirit of adventure. <laughs>